Welcome to Earful of Fantasy, the best damn fantasy football pod in the universe. We're live each Wednesday night on Facebook and available every Thursday morning from your favorite podcast service. Support the show for free stuff and an on-air shout-out at patreon.com slash earful. And be sure to hit us up throughout the week on Twitter at EOFantasy. Now, on to the show. So uh, we're going live right now. You guys are picking up right at the tail end of a fabulous conversation concerning one of Disney's greatest hits, the Country Bears. Um, welcome that, that is to Earful of Fantasy. I apologize. Sorry. Continue. Well, uh, dude, I, I don't even know if it's worth yes. going through it. I, 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 I missed the playoffs. My, my, I, I placed but, second to last in all three but, of my leagues. Well, well Liam, we're not, not at that, we're, we're not at that stage yet, pal. Okay, you know, get through the carry on like professional. Get through right. the damn intro. Get through the read, Liam. Do the promos. Welcome to the Earful of Fantasy podcast. My name is Liam Poach. With me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Mr. Christopher Maitland. Chris, how the heck are you doing there, guy? Uh, good, except for the fact that I delayed the show by referencing the Country Bears before, right before we start to record. So sorry, guys, if you were uh, tuned in all excited to uh, hear us go live at 7.30 when we didn't go live till 7.32 because I got in late and I started talking about the Country Bears. Which actually happens to be like one of my favorite films of all time yes. and a huge inside joke of the Linden of the NVU Linden Film Studies program. Yes, and Liam explained this whole situation to me on how in a film studies class they had to uh, one of his friends had to defend the Country Bears as merit as a piece of art, and I found this to be absolutely fascinating. That we talked about who was in the movie besides Haley Joel Osment, and it was all very illuminating for me since I have not seen the film. But gosh darn, well, you I have seen to seen the film. No, no, I'm I have shocked. not. I know me too, because particularly uh, my, my good friend, Nick Smith, shout out to him. Um, we tried to rent it at a blockbuster when that was still around for, we, we, we would gather like every, like every like month or two and like watch a bunch of movies at each other's houses. And we went to blockbuster with the intention of rushing the country bears. And then we, we did not do it. And we, and, and that was the last time we ever talked about watching the country bears and 15, 16 years later, we still have that fun. Well, a, gr- a great shame. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as the NFL season winds down, uh, this is our this is our next film that we're going to be obsessed with until Chris watches it. Uh, yes. and we're gonna we're gonna hear his <laughs> review of the Country Bears. We'll see. That as a two E determined. That might be a special bonus. That yeah, you know, we'll drop that episode and like, well, that'll be our off season special. Was be I, I review yeah. the Country Bears. We'll, we'll, we'll get it done. All right. So anyway, to give you guys a rundown of the show, we're gonna go over our personal fantasy weeks. I've already given you a little. You know, a little teaser about that. He's just sad. He can't, he can't keep it in. Chris is going to go over some waiver wire targets uh, for our special segment of the night. How how might the coaching shakeups that have already transpired affect fantasy in 2020? Of course, as always, hits and whiffs, stardom, sit and finally, final thoughts. Uh, Chris, you ready to get started? Yes. Yes, uh, very much so. So, Chris, tell the people how you're getting ready to do absolutely nothing this week because you have a freaking bot. <laughs> you want to make any more? Yeah. As Liam said, I, cl- I, cl- I had both my buys clinched going into this week. So this week was all gravy. Now, Liam, let's – but let's stop pretending. I do have two 10-team leagues. So 
I and I'm only only in the playoffs in one of those so far. I'm fight. I'm on the bubble. I'm one spot away. I'm in fifth in the other. But I did clinch first place in one of those ten team leagues this week. I went four and zero. Yes, it was another uh, another uh, bizarrely successful week for me, and I apologize greatly. I, I will say to to move on to you. Well, well I was gonna. I, I'll, I'll, I'm done because as you said, I got gravy wins I didn't need in my small team leagues. Mm-hmm. So before before we move on to you, I did my part. So I apologize for your your plight. It was that I did my part. I beat one of the, the bubble teams, but you but you couldn't deliver. Well, here's the thing. It's not so much that I couldn't deliver. Now, don't get me wrong. I sat David Montgomery. I apologize <laughs> to you and all. That was a mistake, man. The Lions can't defend Bears anyone. Nation. I don't so, know. So, yep. V- v- very sorry <laughs> about that. David Montgomery, 14 total points. Um, Yeah, outscored basically both of my running Game backs. Game one touchdown, touchdown catch on the last win of the season for the Chicago Bears. It was a beautiful moment. Yeah, but here was the killer, though. Michael Evans and Michael Thomas combined for 10 and a half points. Yeah, that was brutal. In what universe does that happen? But I think I even said last week on the show, Michael Thomas has always been good for like, you know, 10 points, 15 points, 10 points, 15 uh, yes. points. Either one of those would have been great for me. And, you know, and even on the weeks where like the very, very few sparse weeks where Mike uh, Thomas, you know, might have had a down week, Mike Evans usually would pick up the slack. That didn't happen. For some reason, Bruce Arians and, um, and, and Sean Payton decided that, my happiness was not, you know, going to be an effective part of their very offense. inconsiderate move by both of them. Very inconsiderate, in fact. And I think both of those teams won, did they not? Uh yeah, oh yeah. No, and the Tampa game was was the weirdest blowout ever because Winston didn't only he had one fumble and th- literally didn't throw a touchdown or threw maybe threw like one touchdown. There was like the defense and the running game. It was incredibly like Winston threw for less than two hundred yards. They absolutely manhandled Jacksonville. Well, th- that defensive line has been playing a lot better recently. And Dominican Sue has actually been showing up on the stat sheet. He has been. He has been. That, that Tampa team is very odd because basically the front the front seven has been spectacular and the back four has been as bad as anybody in the league defensively. And their mm-hmm. offense is either incredible or, or completely dysfunctional on a week-to-week basis. It makes no damn sense. But that's just what you're going to get with Jameis Winston at the helm and a defense that is uh, – in transition, I think Todd Bowles is a great coach, and I think if you give him better personnel back there on the secondary, I think that defense will improve, will continue to improve moving forward. But in the interim, they've got a great front seven and just and just an abysmal, abysmal secondary. Even though Vernon Hargraves is gone, it's, it's got a little better so, than he left. But so here, here's the Bucks schedule coming up right now: um, versus the Colts, versus yep. the Lions, versus the Texans, versus the Falcons. Yep. So I was so the Colts and the Texans still. In, still in that AFC playoff uh, com- uh, conversation. Very much so. Very much so. Even, uh, with, the, the loss, the Falcons, even with the loss of the Titans, they're still exactly. in Exactly. The, the Falcons and the, the, Falcons and the um and, and the Lions, obviously, definitely out of the playoff picture at this point. The Lions are mathematically eliminated. No, the Lions are mathematically eliminated. The Falcons, one more loss and they're done. Yeah, exactly. Which, and, <laughs> and and honestly, that's just inevitable at this point. Um, the fact that I don't Dan- know, man. They got, they got the Carolina Panthers this week. Yeah, no, Arthur Blank is a saint for not making a coaching change midseason at this point. I don't think anybody would have blamed him. What good is it going to do? The season's basically over. Like Midseason coaching changes, especially when your team is like is done anyways. Like, what the hell's the point? Just exactly. wait a few weeks. Uh, unless the culture is that toxic. Exactly. But at the same time, like, I, I don't think Ron I, – I don't think Ron – like no, no. was a Fire, toxic no, coach. They did I, I think, no, 
They, they, did, they him did him dirty. dirty. They, think about it. Two-time coach of the year, a, a Super Bowl appearance, an NFC championship, uh, four playoff appearances, I believe. Yes. What more could that he, – he did so much he, more he with less. Yeah, literally did not do worse than – I think he had one season where they did not have a winning year. I think they went 7-8-1 one season. Rivera, Rivera did a terrific job. And if you look at where that team was at the end of the John Fox era – like they were, they were at the absolute bottom of the friggin' barrel, and Rivera brought them back. I mean, exactly. So we're we're, we're probably going to talk about that a little bit later in the show uh, it, when, when it comes to the um, you know how how it, coaching yeah. changes might it, might it, might affect it, that. It, we're it, definitely going to get more in depth about Cam Newton, especially yes. how he's going to be affected by this. Yes, but but one last thing on that: if you want to talk about a, a culture problem, that is not what what Rivera had. Rivera is as respected as any friggin' coach in the league. And if you heard the reaction from the players in that locker room, they were devastated. Cam Newton's not happy, and Cam Newton is usually, you know, somebody who tends to, uh, you know, wear his emotions on his sleeve. And this was pretty apparent that this was a decision that he wasn't okay with. That that I think it's a decision that maybe the players inevitably saw coming, but more towards the end of the season. Yes, I I think it was the fact. I I understand the the performance was unacceptable, and Carolina's obviously had a rough couple of years. They 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 have made the playoffs in a couple of years, and basically since that Super Bowl appearance back in 2014, it's been in, it's been going downhill for them. But it's more than getting rid of him in the begin in the middle of the season. Like he, he had done way too much for this organization, brought them back to, to deserve that kind of a treatment. I mean, like you, you do not fire Ron Rivera. Like you're out of it. You're basically out of the playoffs. Like David Tepper, I understand he's a new owner there. He wants to make a big statement, but it's like really now you couldn't have waited. You couldn't have waited a friggin' month. Cause I don't necessarily disagree with the move. Cause Rivera, like the team, they're, they're kind of stuck in neutral. They're kind of just like, they're in the middle of the pack. Like you need to shake things up. I get it. Rivera hadn't got the job done in the last few years, but Middle of the year, like he deserved better than that. He absolutely deserved better than that, considering what he's done for that team. Exactly. All right. So, believe it or not, we were actually still technically on the fantasy segment right now. So, yes, um, yeah. So, so, so yeah. So, but, so just so, to finish up, I placed second to last in all three of my leagues. Chris, I believe you made playoffs in what two leagues? I made the playoffs in three, and it, I could be a clean sweep if I if I win this weekend. In my league, no, I've had it's a one, it's one of those things season. that. It's one of those things that I feel like everybody kind of drafts similar rosters across the board. So usually if like, you know, if you have a good fantasy year, it's usually pretty good, you know, on average throughout multiple leagues. Whereas Yeah. Now see, I don't know. I don't know about you. Last like how did you how did you fare last year? La- last year, middle of the table. I, I unfortunately, uh, I usually have a habit of falling off and just you know not paying attention to the waiver wire, especially towards the end of yeah. the season. No. Um, yeah, that was, I, I I made the playoffs in in one out of two leagues, so fifty fifty, I guess. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's that's pretty good. Pretty th- pretty good, all things considered. When you when you got that few teams, but uh, last year for me, I had my worst fantasy season in ages. I literally the only league I made the playoffs in was a league that had four friggin' teams in it. So it was just a, it was just Which disaster. Yeah, I finished in dead last in my league that I'm the commissioner in for the first time ever. I then I then otherwise I think I finished in like ninth and seventh, and then I I did finish in third in the four team league. But that was it. I had an absolutely terrible year. So, it, but I, I think it honestly helped me this year because I drafted so relaxed this season. I was like, it literally can't be any worse than last year <laughs> in terms of my league. I was like, I was there. I was like, I was like, I was freaking cool as a cucumber the entire goddamn time, which is very uncharacteristic for me because uh, the previous year I knew my team. Now, to be fair, I knew that my team blew. Two year two years ago when I was literally in the place in the process of drafting that last place team. In the third round, I was drafted with a few of my friends. And I said, I want to throw my laptop out the window. My, the, my this team is awful. And they delivered by winning three games the entire season. 
No, I absolutely see what you mean by that, too. I, I knew my team was going to be bad when Sony Michelle was my best available running back uh, to take. I, I think of him along with David Montgomery um, in, in our yeah. league where they're like the we, top I two mean, running backs available to me, and I had no choice projected, but to take them. Cause, projected. Because yeah, we, 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 went, we went through, and you there were some guys you could have taken that would have made your team a whole hell of a lot better. And you could have stuck with because this you want to make it even worse because again this just goes to show you that one position will not win you fantasy will not bring you fantasy glory. Uh, we have we have a kid in our league who had Delvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey and is and, and is right hanging out with Liam like ninth or tenth place, uh, which is insane. Yep. Um, but you had Mike Evans and Michael Thomas, both on the two, same team, which you in, think would just be gold in standard leagues. Michael Thomas and Mike Evans are the number two and number three receivers in fantasy, respectively. Thomas is two, Evans is three, and yeah. you and you are. But now, granted, your team was your team was basically a below average team, and the league was just full of below average teams. And basically, because of that, you just have and because of a scoring differential situation, you ended up at eleven going into the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, exactly. I I was on the playoff fringe until I very much wasn't. Uh, like and it's, it, it, it's it's kind of like the end of Man in the High Castle. If anybody watches that series, it is so good. It's so good right up until the last thirty seconds, in which you're just like, "This is bad." It, it's it's a very unfortunate. Uh, you you had a very aggravating season uh, from top to bottom, but it's an absolute it, like the worst possible finish. It just ending up there. And now 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 really all you need to hope for now is you don't finish in last. That's really all you got to play for. Who 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 are you squaring off against this week? Who who finished in who finished in eighth? Uh, I believe it was Jimmy. I, I think I'm squaring off against the Queen Latifas this week. I think no, I think Jimmy's dead last, dude. I think he's in twelfth. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm gonna have to check on this. But the only people who would actually care are people in our league. But exactly. Oh well. <laughs> well, no, and by the way, one last time, Justin Fisher block. That kid is he's gonna win. He's gonna win the title. Trust me. I, I'm I'm telling you. He miraculously, with with the lowest point total in the entire league, or second lowest point total in the entire league, gets the four seed. And I was like, he's he's been riding again. If you think, if you think my team's lucky, which it very much is, and my luck pales in comparison to him. He he has ridden a like he traded Christian McCaffrey. He traded Stephon Diggs. He has a very blah roster. Now, granted, it has gotten a little bit better. He just picked up the Bills defense. He picked up Devontae Parker. Like so, like yeah. it, it, no, he is truly the Trent Dilfer of fantasy football. It's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle, and he's gonna ride that. He's gonna ride that high all the way to the top. Exactly. All right. So moving on now, Chris, how about you tell us about some waiver wire targets that all could uh, right. that, that could potentially right. help Justin Fisher block scores exactly. less points. Now, and we're starting this off with the doozy kids. And now this is mostly it's week fourteen, so you're getting a whole hell of a lot of retreads, guys that weren't that had been either not been picked up the first time I listed them, or guys that been, were sensations early on and got dropped. All that jazz. A lot of names you've heard before, with the exception of a couple, starting with this fella. One of my all-time favorites, a guy that has been laughed at and brought people fan- a lot of fantasy joy, a lot of fantasy pain, goes by the name of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been rolling, rolling of late. And you know what he's got this week? He's got a matchup against his former team. The New York Jets. A favorable schedule down the stretch. 
And why not roll with Fitzy? He's been he's been playing like he's been playing good. He's been a he's been a top ten fantasy quarterback over the last few weeks. Like keep the train rolling. That Miami Dolphins offense is showing life. They got nothing to they, like Flores is just like Flores and Chad O'Shea are just like hey here it is guys we're gonna have fun the rest of the season like we're we're not we're but, we're no we're out of the number one pick hunt like let's just have some fun let's score some points. Here's the thing though. Fitzy is a very smart man. And just like yeah. another smart man by the name of Isaac Newton, he understands the laws of physics, right? Yes. And with what is especially true with Fitzy is that what goes up is going to come down. And but, it's usually going to come down very, very hard. But and it's not going to. The thing about it is when has is, when is Fitzpatrick ever rode a, a good streak of luck to the end of the season? Uh, like going back well, to uh, even, even even going back to the ten and six season with with his time with the Jets, yeah. like the, that season he he fell off like during the last four games, which is exactly what gave the Jets pause before giving him an extension, uh, which he famously held out for, got that money, but you know he obviously had followed deal. up with a pretty lackluster deal. season. Um, every, all all four years in Buffalo, the, the exact same thing. They never quite were able to get over the hump, despite the fact that he was throwing for 3,000 yards. And he actually had a, uh, a few pretty good seasons with what, like, at one point, like a 24 to 16 touchdown rate uh, in interception ratio. Yes. Yeah. So, that, so, so, and those are all valid points. Those are all accurate. However, we're getting loose. We're getting loose elder statesman Fitzpatrick now. He's got nothing to play for, baby. He is a, he is a stopgap and he's having fun with it. And this Dolphins team looks better now than they did. I think Fitzpatrick, I think the misery of Fitzpatrick has already happened. I think this Dolphins team is loose. They don't care, and they're gonna be, and they got an easy ass schedule. So I think Fitzmagic is gonna continue to be a damn fine fantasy option for quarterback needy owners out there. But at the same time, what what are the chances that Josh Rosen now, plays again? Zero, because this, this is the Fitzmagic show. They are holding out for a damn quarterback. Whatever guy is not named Joe Burrow who is going to the Bengals, they'll end up with, and it'll be a happy-go-fun time. Fitzpatrick will be there for – he'll start another six, seven games next year, collect another few million dollars, and then retire to – he's essentially the uh, non-Baptist Phillip Rivers. He's got 45 kids himself. So he's, so that, that's why he needs to keep playing. My man needs the money. He needs to feed the family. Him and his, him and his wife are Harvard graduates. They have every right to have as many children as they please. All well, right. everybody has that. Well, everybody has that right. I mean, there, there obviously are debates of whether on the individual whether or not they should. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, good for him. Good for him. He's he's got all these damn kids. He's got the money. The people keep employing him. So why not? He hasn't completely deteriorated physically. I want to see. Still, I want to see still a football. I want to see a football seven on sevens tournament with the Rivers Clan, the Fitzpatrick Clan, the Cromarty uh, Clan, um, and the, I think there's one more. Why not a league? <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll be well. Once the XFL fails, maybe they can start. They can start the uh, the uh, former ch the the children of former play NFL players league, and it'll right. just be if you have five or more kids, you can participate. So it's, um, just gonna be, it's just it's it's just going to be Cromarty, Fitzpatrick, and and Rivers. That's it. Yeah, but the thing is, though, they're going to bend the rules. Next thing you know, Grandpa Manning's going to be marching out there with Peyton, Eli, Archie, and you know Archie Cooper. Junior, Cooper, who's Cooper, apparently Cooper will be there. Cooper yeah, will Coop, be there. yeah, Coop, Coop will be there. Well, did, right. is there is there Archie Jr.? Because Archie, oh, yeah, no, so, Archie's Peyton's so, so dad. Fun, so fun, yeah. So fun fact, um, Arch, so it's not not quite Archie Jr. Peyton Manning's nephew, um, the so, the so son, yeah, Cooper's, Cooper's son, son, yeah, Cooper's son, yeah, is an is an eighth grade starting varsity quarterback who's like yeah. six foot three, like already, um, yeah. and like you know, like like 
trains like with Peyton, like, you know, during family holidays, according to like, you know, social media and like all, all, all that jazz and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and obviously grandpa Manning is saying that, Oh, he's farther ahead than either Eli or Peyton was. So I yeah, love so, that. I, so I love in, when they say that. It's like, Oh yes, my, my, my son, who's going to be a first ballot hall of famer. He's way better than he was at this age. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, so that's frightening. <laughs> like, like truly, like probably by any metric you use, like arguably a top five quarterback to ever play the game. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's further along than him. One of the literally one of the greatest players of of the sports ever seen. Uh, yes, I, I, I should no, I, I should say further along than they were at that age. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. Yeah. But no, I know, I know, I know that's what you mean. But it's just yeah. hilarious to say, like, you don't know what they're gonna hell they're gonna be like when they get when they get to the real real leagues. You don't know that. Also, that's, that's just an unbelievable amount of pressure to put on a, a young a young fella, a young person. <laughs> no, no, ridiculous. No, no, who's a ton of pressure that you put on people, Chris? Oh, it's a, the next Alexander Ma- Madison. Yes, Alexander Madison. So this is obviously the speculative ad of the week because uh, of Dalvin Cook's situation. Now he now he is insisting he's going to play after dinging up his shoulder. His shoulder. By the way, we're still on waiver wire targets. I know. So he, his chest is screwed up. It's it's all right. We're, we're going to be fine. You know, we're going to be fine. Um, so Cook, this is speculative, obviously, as I just said. Um, he insists he's going to play this week, but Madison obviously is a ha- is a guy you're going to want to target this week. Now, um, he's averaging almost five yards a carry. Obviously, the workload has not been there in meaningful uh, situations. Um, but he's, he's looked good when, when in, in cleanup duty and in cha- as a change of pace back. So um, And Lord knows the Vikings are going to run the ball no matter who's back there. So if Cook does not play, Madison is a good option, especially against that horrific Detroit Lions defense who cannot stop a goddamn thing right now. Um, next to the list, um, the, 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 the second guy that was not been on this list all season, that would be uh, Anthony Miller of the Chicago Bears. That's right, the first Chicago Bear all season long to appear on this segment. It's truly a noteworthy moment. So, I'm sorry. And Trey Burton never made my tight end list. I, I just noticed I, that. I know. It's crazy because he. it's almost like he wasn't healthy and shouldn't have played a down this season, but they <laughs> trotted him out there for five or six weeks before finally putting him on the IR. It was crazy. Crazy stuff. <laughs> I think you have to put me down, coach. Yeah, like, I, yeah, like dude, like I, I'm pretty sure you're playing with a hernia, Trey. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not a good idea. Oh, you can't move? Oh, it's our – oh, Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe you should have not try to come back. Like, oh, I got hey, Maybe I shouldn't try to come back from it so soon. I can't. I can't. Uh, anyway, so Anthony. Speaking of injuries, Anthony Miller was hurt at the beginning of the year. He had a shoulder uh, ailment that was uh, holding him back, and he's now healthy, and it shows. He's he's been ramping up the last. 40 yards last Lions. He had a 70, 73 yards against the Giants the week before that. I understand these are crap matchups, but he, um, the opening has been there for a number two wideout behind Robinson of the real, uh, is not filling the void of his limitations as a route runner and the fact that he could not stop getting injured. But for Miller, he has a strong, uh, and outside of the Cowboys this week, the Bears have a bunch of beatable secondaries uh, down the playoff run. So Miller is a guy that you should definitely take a shot on, even in this blah offense. I think I think Miller, the target share will be good, and I think he has. I think he could serve a, a, a decent flex play if he continues at this clip. Um, Raheem Moster. Also, um, so hey, so sh- hold on. Shout out to every ESPN and NFL graphic creator who loved to compare the le- the statistics between Brady and Trubisky over the last four weeks and how eerily similar they were. 
Did I, you say I, last I, I four would, weeks? Oh no, no, Liam. Yeah, Since no, week four, baby. Last four to six weeks. Since or something week like four. That. Oh no, we're talking the last two months. And Trubisky missed uh, since week four. They're pretty much the same but, guys. So be sure this this holiday season, I recommend getting the MT12 uh, electrolytes because <laughs> he's, he's Trubisky. It, it's it's the only time. I'm just loving it because I'm loving it because it's the only time you'll hear the words Mitch Trubisky and Tom Brady in the same sentence. Yeah, unless they're playing each other, but I I, I just feel like exactly watching yeah watching the two the two of them play though it's not even comparative because I feel like you know while Brady's had his more error throws than usual this year Trubisky has just been played bad at reading defenses oh, bad at like no, no, executing no. a game plan no no I mean no I do I think they're pl- do I think um, Brady is is playing on the level of Trubisky no but it's just hilarious to look at the statistics. It's, right. it, it's it's hysterical. I'm like, oh my God, Trubisky has better stats than even like the raw numbers. Like, oh, trust me, that that's when the raw numbers, you know, are lying to you. Because I play, and yes, he was good against the Lions last Thursday. That was an aberration. Like, knock it off. He's not going to come out and do that, and I'm going to get to it later in my in the start of sit-up situation, but I think there's too much damn optimism over what Trubisky's over, been done over the past two weeks, and we need to pump the friggin' bricks. Pump the like he's not making a breakthrough because he the, the, you, the Lions are the only team the he knows how to play against. The, tr, if here, Trubisky played the Lions, everybody could be fine, but he doesn't. Here, here's the thing, though you you just want to perpetuate the narrative that like you know like we, we can't get our hopes up because you just don't want him to be your quarterback next season. Right now, no, the Bears no. are feeding themselves the the inverse no. of that narrative and and saying that no, he. Liam, I know. No, no, that's not why. Sorry to interrupt. The reason that I'm not, I'm not, it's not because I don't want him to be the quarterback. I don't, you're right. But my, my problem is I just, this team, I know I've seen this movie before. Every time that it, you get excited about the Bears or there's optimism about the Bears, they kick you in the fucking dick. Every single time they find new creative ways to just crush your soul. And I'm, and this is the thing, like, you just don't have hopes that are positive. You don't, you, that's, remember I said before the season, I was flirting with optimism. There's a reason I wouldn't subscribe to it fully. Cause I, I wasn't, cause I knew you can't count on this team to do anything besides kill you on the inside. So that's wait, the only you, thing you can do. Are you telling me that Rex Grossman's not going to be in the bears ring of honor? Uh, if he had won the super bowl, he would have, they threw a throw parade for him every opening day. But unfortunately <laughs> that didn't happen. Because they're still still they still truck Dick out there like he's Vince Lombardi every every opening day. It's like remember that guy who literally couldn't win more than one championship with a defense with seven Hall of Famers on it. Oh yeah, remember him? Oh here he is. Yay! And, no, and, and here's the thing though, there were two head coaches on that '85 team. It, yeah. it was it was Mike Ditka and, and Buddy um, Ryan, who you could argue Ryan. was more integral to the success because they didn't win again once Ryan left. Yeah, exactly. And no, there, there's actually a famous story about um about Dicka attempting to walk in on a defensive meeting, yes. and Buddy Ryan took a notebook and threw it out and said, "Get out of here." That, that is it, yes, that I was, totally believe it happened. I completely too. believe it too. That was it. That was uh that was referenced in a book of the '85 Bears that I read back in college. Um, yes, and they literally carried them both off the field when they won the championship. It was hilarious. Great footage. Great footage. But yes. Uh, anyways, Raheem Mostert. Let's get back on. Let's get back on track here. Oh uh, yeah. Raheem Mostert. Um, who now Tevin Coleman has ha, was has been the de facto starter for the Niners over the last six weeks. He has uh, not looked so good, and the Niners finally did something about it last week and rolled out Mostert. Um, and he looked great. He absolutely pummeled, looked running like ran really really strong against a very very good Ravens defense. 
Like he was a, like I'm almost like a battering ram. Now you have a problem. Matt Breida is supposed to come back this week, so that might prevent Mostert from being the one A moving forward. There might be a one A one B. It might be an even timeshare situation. But just the Niners have to give him more of a run after last week. I mean, you you, you can't you have to reward a guy after he puts up a, such a good performance against such a strong run defense. So he definitely a guy looking at. Uh, if you were need running back help for the playoffs. And last but not least, James Washington. Now, now Liam, uh, James Washington, fun fact for you. Three, what is 90, 90 plus yards in a score. 90 plus yards in a score. And you want to know what the number one factor is? The fact that no one else is Duck Hodges, baby. But he does have a strong rapport with Duck Hodges. But one of those games was with Rudolph. But when Duck Hodges is in the game, he's going long to James Washington, non-friggin' stop. So James Washington, now, is he a risky play? Oh, you bet your ass he is. Because he's mostly, with the exception of one of those games, he's only gotten three or four catches. He had one game with six. But it's been three or four catches. So he a very deep ball reliant receiver, but he's he's hitting home runs a lot, man. And the Steelers, Schuster's banged up. Connor's still out. Schuster might not play again this week. So there's really no De- – Deontay Johnson's out there still, but they don't have a lot of healthy options. Washington has been the guy on offense. So And, and honestly, the Steelers organization does have a reputation for being able to develop wide receivers. Absolutely. You know, obviously, there's Antonio Brown. Le'Veon Bell was a, is a great receiver out of the backfield. James Conner uh, – uh, Connor has it's been um, – Juju Smith yeah, yeah. Connor's been get, uh, getting better as a pass catcher. Um, Antoine Randall L back in the day. <laughs> Antoine I mean, Randall Hines Ward, San Antonio Holmes. I mean, they've had a lot yeah. of quality pass catchers. They 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 had a great a great great system over there. For, they have great scouting at receivers that Kevin Colbert does over there. Yeah, exactly. And you know, honestly, now that he's actually getting gameplay, maybe uh, you know, maybe the Washington tree might actually start bearing some fruit. Exactly. Plus, they got a matchup this week against that wretched, wretched Arizona Cardinals defense, who passing defense, who cannot stop anybody. So let's go, quack quack. Especially tight ends, baby. Exactly. Well, I'll talk more about that in Starnum Sidum. But yes. Um. So moving on. So. We heavily previewed this uh, in the beginning of the show. So we're going to talk about how uh, – so already there's been three coaching changes uh, in the NFL. Uh, I'm right on that, right, Chris? I, I, sometimes I, I – I, yeah, three. I think it's only two. It's Rivera and Gruden, right? No one else got fired. Oh, oh, oh my God. I, I just assumed that the Falcons had fired. <laughs> no, the Falcons have not fired Dan Quinn, and somehow the Giants not have yet. not fired not, – the Giants not, have not fired Pat Shermer yet either. Yeah, well – Pat Shermer, I think, is going to get another year, especially with, oh, uh, with, really? with Daniel Jones. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the early success of Daniel Jones, uh, you know, and you know the, I, I, so we're not going to call it a home run. Going to call it a solid single on picking on picking Daniel Jones at number at, at number six uh, yeah. overall, despite the fumble issues. I think he showed a lot more um, potential for, potential for a high ceiling than a lot of the other quarterbacks drafted in the first he's, round. This year. He's been better than expected, but that's not, but considering the expectation was for him to be a complete and utter train wreck is really not, not high praise. Well, complete and utter train wreck is, is putting it, you know, I mean, in terms of the New York media, you always have to take that stuff with a grain of salt. But, but it, I don't it, think it's always going to be a thing. developmental but, project. But no, but Liam, I don't think that's the New York media thing. I think, what was your reaction when they took Daniel Jones on draft night? I was laughing. I was laughing and I, I mocked Gettleman I it, like crazy. I thought it was too high. I thought it was too high, definitely. But at the same time, I didn't hate him as a prospect. I thought, you know, you know, like I said, I I thought the Patriots were like in a realistic position to nab him, um, like at the back end of the first round. 
you know, just considering that they were you were assuming they would have Brady for another year or two, but I yeah. mean, obviously after this season, it looks like that's not going to be that's not going to be the quite uh, the case. So Jared Stidham, baby. Um, but yeah, no, a num- number six I thought was too high, but um, I didn't I didn't think it was unrealistic for him to be in the back end of the first round. I don't, I wasn't that no, I didn't surprise me because he was the he was the 2019 looks good in shorts prospect. I mean, he's literally like that's what he was like. He's just tall and he can throw the ball long. I mean, was he as was he as unpolished as Josh Allen? Say no, and no, and of course he's like semi athletic. He can run. He can do all that crap. But like, he was just well, a boring. Josh, athletic. Josh Allen is a, is is an imposing athletic. That's man, true. Right? Daniel Jones is not quite that not not as athletic as Josh Allen. I will give you that. And and, and the thing about Josh Allen is I. I I feel like running wasn't even one of those things that was exactly hyped up about him heading into the NFL. He was always known as just, you know, a, a rocket arm. He um, was just you know, guy who could guy, throw yeah. and win. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I don't know, but Jones, but the thing is he, he just seemed like he was a very unexciting prospect to me. He was just a guy that he was like just polished enough in a pocket where you thought like, Oh, he might be an okay backup. That was, so, that was, that was my entire thought process. Like, I, th- right, I so, thought that he was, I did not, th- I think he had a, no ceiling whatsoever. I thought he was a comically high draft pick. And I, I didn't think this quarterback class was particularly great either. I, mean, I, I didn't, I Murray or Haskins didn't knock my socks off either, but Jones, I was like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. But I, I can understand why Haskins and Murray were going as high as they were Jones. I was like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. Really? So let's put this in the context of the segment though is so let, let's say Pat Shermer's out at, at, at the end of the season. Yes. Do you, do you think they they get somebody who's going to be able to uh you know to cra- like like a quarterback whisperer of sorts yes. to kind of like the, the yes the, I, I or think... here's the thing though when you have a, a running back like Saquon Barkley do you get somebody who's a little bit more old school and oriented towards the run who's going to focus on building up the offensive line and minimizing the quarterback position because that might show that the office has has you know a little less, little less faith than we might have imagined in Daniel Jones. So yeah. we could be seeing an explosion of fantasy value for Saquon Barley. Uh, Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barley, my favorite. <laughs> Captain Hops. <laughs> Saquon Barley. Um, we could be seeing an explosion of fantasy value for Saquon Barkley in a you know in a minimalization for Daniel Jones and uh, receivers like Darius Slayton and and um and uh sorry uh. Sterling Shepard, Sterling Shepard. There we go. God, Gary Slayton. Yes, all the uh, the the guys that are there. Evan Ingram, if he can if he can keep his hamstring healthy. That, well, that's the thing. Evan Ingram seems like somebody who should be the anchor of this offense and this offensive passing game as somebody who's just a safety net for any kind of young quarterback over the middle. But he just can't stay on the field. He would be the perfect yeah. piece for Daniel Jones at, at this stage in his development if he could just stay healthy. Um, I kept yeah. him on my fantasy bench for like I mean, like three weeks and just. Still no value, so I had to drop him. Yeah, realistically, I think the Giants have more problems defensively than they do offensively. I, I think their skill position players are actually pretty good. I mean, Jones, who knows? But I think the receiving core is fine. They're obviously they have they have a, a a potential generational talent or running back in Saquon Barkley. Their offensive line has been significantly better this season than it was last year. I think it's I think it's true. I think their defense is is basically hopeless. Uh, Dexter Lawrence has been a nice surprise. Their other one of their other first round picks, a defensive tackle. He's been excellent, particularly against against the run. He's 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 been that nasty like space eating defensive tackle that they expected him to be, and he was. At Clemson, but other than that, like their defense absolutely blows. Particularly the defensive, they're going to get rid of George Jenkins after the season. Finally, like he's just he's a huge price tag and a garbage production. And so wait, they, you're not saying you should draft the Giants' defense next season? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I mean, no, and, and obviously they're going to have they're going defense with their high draft pick. They're, they're I mean, like I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the, but 
I wouldn't be surprised if they try to target Chase Young, the edge rusher from Ohio State, because they need Remember a Remember how rush. well Eli Apple worked out? Uh, yeah, and it's funny because Eli Apple's actually been a pretty decent player since he went to the Saints. But mm-hmm. um, he was garbage in, 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 in the Giants for sure. But I don't know. They really haven't had – they haven't really made too many splashes defensively of late. And I think – now in terms of coaching prospects, now let's bring us back to fantasy. Now, I think the Giants are going to go for a big, sexy name because they didn't they – didn't, they haven't done it the past two times. They got Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer. Now, Pat Shermer obviously was coming off a hell of a run with the Vikings. They, that was the NFC Championship season. Everything was flying high there. But – so I think they're going to do the same thing with uh, with uh, with uh, with a big sexy name, and obviously the the conceivably the big sexiest the sexiest name on the market this year is going to be Greg Roman. Greg Roman, Urban Meyer, Urban, Urban Meyer, <laughs> come on, these like retread college coach. I understand Urban Meyer has never coached the pros. I get it, and he's one of the most successful college coaches of all time. But like, really, Urban Meyer? No, Here's, no, no, I, no. I think it's more realistic for the Cowboys. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I think I'm not Jerry. Oh, Giants. I'll get, but but that's like. But Urban Meyer, I don't think would like to be a yes man for Jerry. No, Jerry will probably but promote from within. You can see it though. You can see it being yes. a cowboy yeehaw hiring though. Don't be surprised if Jerry Jones promotes Kellen Moore. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Because, I, I'd love it. I'd love I, it. I, I, even even if he wasn't successful, I'd love to see it. This because I'm Kellen pretty Moore. sure Kellen Moore is like two years older than you. Uh, yes, I think you were you were correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he, I, he was at Boise State about four years ago. So right. uh, yeah, so Ke- Sean Moore, looking at that youngster like you no, didn't Ke- pay Kellen Moore, yeah, exactly. So Kellen Moore, I think because he played for he played for Jerry. Now he coaches for Jerry. Um, he's not gonna he's not gonna um, give Jerry a load of pushback. He's gonna let Jerry continue to run the show, and that's why I'm not, I'm not convinced Jason Garrett's gonna get fired because I, it really depends on how much. Uh, Jerry Jones values um, being able to talk down to have a puppet that, that, and he has a puppet in Jason Garrett. I don't think, I think Jerry, yeah, Jerry wants to win a championship, but I don't think he's going to do it at the expense of not being able to be a, a tyrant around the team. J- Jerry Jones. It seems like the Cowboys are the exact opposite of the Bengals, you know, um, oh, where is the, Oh, they whereas, are. Whereas the Bengals are like, let's not spend any money and hope that our coaches can just coach everything into being you know being okay and whereas with the cowboys it's like let's just throw money at things and hope that our middling coach you know but, doesn't ruin it but but the odd thing because the bengals also don't care about winning mike brown just likes to count his money and move on now jerry wants to win well, he's not counting that much money either no you're right but, but you get enough but he gets enough from the he gets enough from the revenue sharing for the tv and whatnot he gets enough to, to get him by so that that's fine. Now Jerry Jones is odd because he Jerry Jones wants to win. He wants he's willing to write the checks. He's willing to do everything. Basically, if he just got a legitimate coach, the Cowboys might be a like a top tier contender. But this clown, he's got a, a literal mannequin, a clapping man. He's got a, a no. You know what he's got? Not a mannequin. He has a he has a symbol monkey running the team. One of the mon- monkeys with the symbols just just slamming shit. He's a, just a, a an, an empty vessel, Jason Garrett. And if he didn't have Captain Clapper running the damn team, who knows what could happen? I, I mean, he could have. He, I mean, so so who who do you, who do you think is an who, who do you think is an appropriate replacement for Jason Garrett at this point? Somebody who can develop Dak Prescott, would, exactly. or, so, or some. 
you know who I'd like to see? Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. So you, uh, uh, so you want an offensive guy or like an old school like drill sergeant? Like he wants like Parcells or like a Parcells type. Guy. Exactly. Like the. Do you think he would go the? Do you think he would go like the Sean McVay Cliff Kingsbury route, or do yes. you think he would go the Vic Fangio? Uh, you know. Yeah, like Ron Rivera route, possibly. Uh, Ron so, Rivera, I think, Ron would be, a Rivera would be an interesting team. choice. Yeah, because I think Rivera has what it takes to. Because I think Rivera could bring in. I think I think he would probably retain Kellen Moore and retain a lot of the staff, and then he would bring him. He would maybe, not. He, he wouldn't be a yes man, though. I I, I feel. And yeah, no, I don't think so. But I think because I but but that's the thing. Rivera's commanded too much respect to be a yes man. He's done enough in this league on his own. And Jerry wouldn't. Jerry wouldn't expect now, that. There's certain guys like I would like to see an interesting, uh, like an innovative offensive guy. You know who would be an interesting choice for them? And again, if you want to, talk, and do you want to talk about a guy that's making a splash? I mean, the Giants, the Giants will go after Greg Roman. Uh, Jerry Jones might try to get the White Whale and try to go uh, poach Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. That 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 would that would definitely be interesting. So let's and, see and, the the, la- the last few quarterbacks out of Oklahoma: Mason Rudolph. Um, no, no, not Mason Rudolph. That's Oklahoma State. Baker Mayfield. The last few quarterbacks are Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. So the last two. Yeah, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. So so two of the leading NCAA uh, pa- uh, yeah NCAA so division passers. The um, literal last two number one draft picks in the NFL draft have come yeah. from Lincoln Riley's system. And I think since you're giving guys like and and Lincoln Riley, unlike say Cliff Kingsbury, actually wins in college. So it would be now, I, I and I am all I am not for bringing college coach. I think the game is just too goddamn complex for guys. But I think certain times it can work. Like like Pete Carroll obviously came from college, has done a tremendous job. Uh, that was a little bit different because he had an NFL background before he went to the college. It went to college. But I think Lincoln Riley is a guy that I would like to see. I would give a shot in the NFL because he has done legitimately innovative things at Oklahoma that have translated to ridiculous success, and he's p- produced two prospects that are at the very least intriguing and appear to have have severe serious upside in the NFL, which is more than just about any other coach can say. Yes, I understand Cliff Kingsbury coach Patrick Mahomes, but give me a break. I mean, what has he done in Arizona this season? Not a goddamn thing. All right. So uh, in regard to Ron Rivera leaving uh, Carolina, so my, my, my big question right now. Um, so, so again, we've been talking about what kind of coach are you going to bring in to complement what pieces that each, because all, all of the teams that have, pers- uh, that have pr- uh, prospective hot seat coaches or, or who have vacant seats, they all, with the exception of the Redskins, they all kind of have these pieces that that you know that you might kind of drool over. In particular, uh, in, in particular, um, uh, Christian McCaffrey for the Carolina Panthers. Yes. Yeah. So and- here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. If you bring in somebody who's going to who's going to focus the offense around Christian McCaffrey, does that mean somebody like DJ Moore uh, might fall by the wayside in in an offense that's increasingly uh, you know less reliant on the pass and more reliant on the run, or does he? Because we've we've seen this before. We've seen uh, we've seen certain players flourish under one coach, but then a new system comes in and they just sort of get forgotten about. Once new guys get brought in, a new system gets envisioned that they're just, they're just not necessarily no, a that's... part of. So does does this? So this was definitely DJ Moore's coming out here. I think I think would be fair to say yeah, absolutely. Does does this trend continue under a new coach? I think so because I think because I because you're right. Because but but I would view it more like Tampa. Like look at Tampa because Godwin only got better with Arians. Evan stayed the same. Howard was the guy that stood that, that went by the wayside in that offense. Now I think that if somebody was coming to Carolina, I think Moore and McCaffrey to also to do different things. Moore is a more versatile receiver. So and he's too and he's incredibly after the catch. So I think I think that they can complement each other. Incre- I think they complement each other incredibly well. And I think whoever the coach is will be able to make that dyna- keep that dynamic intact. 
Yeah. So one person that I really wouldn't be surprised if they fell by the wayside, though, is definitely Terry McLaurin. And that's not to say he really? isn't talented. No, he's Ice is not durable, as we know. Like, McLaurin is special. This kid is flashed. It was some of the worst quarterback play in the friggin' league. I think you could build an offense around that guy. And I think and the way they're using him right now is, a, uh, is appalling. And I wouldn't be surprised if friggin' Dan Schneider's stupid ass kept Bill Callahan on and they continued to play friggin' meathead football from 1985 and, and, and be content with their four fucking wins every season. But All right. So you can't he, let that kid. I'm sorry. Like I'm so like they they need to bring McLaurin needs to be the centerpiece of that offense. What he's flashed this season. Like that's the guy I would build that offense around. Darius Geis. Yes, he's looked good well, last so two weeks. That that that's the factor right there though is Darius Geis. Um, um he has I, no I, knees. No, no. So hold on. Don't have a stroke just yet. Sorry. So it goes exactly. So it goes back to exactly what you said about Darius Geis in 1985 football. I feel like Dan Steiner's the kind of guy who's going to want to like go back to the roots of the Redskins. I feel like every single time they hire a new head coach or every single season, there's always this idea about getting back to the roots of being the Redskins and their winning ways and stuff like that. Back from uh, uh, the eighties and the nineties, like it's kind of like listening to a Cowboys fan, but just yeah. way less hope, way less, it's you know, hope because, inside the souls of their fans. Jerry can at least say like, remember when I won those rings in the nineties, Dan Schneider can be like, yeah, remember when we won those rings, but I didn't own the team. <laughs> like they predated me like no Snyder well and here's what would happen they'll, they'll probably like they'll probably they'll probably like one good season like next year like they'll, they'll win like 10 games and then it'll just go right back to being or like a couple years of functionality and then those completely that then it, like everything will fall apart that's the that's the Dan Schneider way because look the Redskins weren't even that bad until this season like the last so, four or five years under Jay Gruden they were a pretty oh they were a pretty okay football team they were at least semi-competitive every year well, yeah, Bill, because they they had you know Captain Five Hundred uh, Kirk Cousins underneath their or Captain you're, Seven and Nine. You're damn right, you're damn yeah. right. And they were and they were looking good with Alex Smith until he until his his knee exploded last year. Until he almost got his leg amputated last season. Well, knee, I wouldn't say exploded more as shattered. Yeah, sh- yeah, no, he literally, literally just, almost he literally almost had his leg amputated. Yeah, but um, yeah, now same, now same. do I know do I know who they're gonna bring in? No, but they're gonna have to. They're probably they're a, a, an offensive minded coach. To that can develop Dwayne Haskins is probably the most. I logical. think Dwayne Haskins it's, is garbage, and I I I don't think Dwayne Haskins is the answer. I think I think they would have spent the high draft pick on him. I think they would have won two or three more games right now with Case Keenum. Case Keenum was not doing that bad yeah, as a quarterback. I know, but no, I agree. Now I I I wish they did simply for re, for selfish reasons because my friend that I placed a bet on Terry McLaren um, leading the rookie receivers in in yards, and he's almost and he was leading last last like basically he'd been leading for most of the season, and then friggin' as soon as Haskins went and DK Metcalf over overtook him. <laughs> and it's not. Let's just say it, 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 it ain't going back. Metcalf is, cl- is so, clinching that title. So, he, so, so here's a question I have uh, for you regarding Terry McLaurin, though. Can you yeah. see his fantasy value dropping? If so, I, I know this might. I, I know. I know this might seem crazy. If the Redskins don't get any more help at wide receiver, and with defenses having a whole year of game tape on file now, like on, like on the way he plays. Could next year, if they don't get him some legitimate help to draw away double coverage or to draw away, you know, safety help over the top, he might, and if Dwayne Haskins' development doesn't go the way it's planned, that could definitely be a recipe uh, for his fantasy value dropping and him just seeing a, seeing a really bad sophomore slump as he draws more double coverage and a lot more uh, adversity. I, 
I know, see, I think it's more – I don't think it's more of a receiver thing. I think it's more of it can Haskins improve because I don't think – I mean, I think you, you can blow through a double coverage. I mean, I think you, you can overcome – you can still be at least relatively productive with, when you're the focal when you're the focal point of opposing defenses, when they're just, just honing in on you and you alone. Now, that I think, it, I think, it's, I think it's more going to depend on whether or not can Haskins, can, can Haskins improve and can they establish the run consistently. I think that I think those are really the things. Now, in terms of his his draft stock for next season, no, I think his draft stock's gonna be pretty damn good. I think I think he'll be like a sixth, seventh, eighth round pick next year. Really, I, that that's actually that's actually higher than I thought it would be. Than, than I, mean, I mean, predict. I mean, obviously, I'm just spitballing here. I don't know what the lay of the land's gonna look like. I mean, he also could get hurt at the end of the, in the last four games. I don't know, but I'm just saying. Ooh, like, I think the kid, is, that, the kid is flashed, and obviously, he's he's been pretty blah for the most part since Keenum got benched. But I just think the kid is flashed up, and you look at the, again. If you look at the, if you look at the analytics, man, the kid has been ridiculous. He's been the, he's been the top receiver in this in this draft class easily, and he's been one of the best rookies in the league. Period. It's just in terms of actual production, like things that uh, count on him solely. I mean, he's made he's made he's made he's great contested catchability, great route runner, uh, speeds better than expected. I mean, the kid really he's really been pretty much the entire the complete total package. And I think uh, it's a shame that he's rotting away on an, on a team. And, and, and you know the rest they're going to hire the wrong coach. You know, goddamn well they are because they have the they have the worst organizational structure of the entire. They have the worst culture, contrary to what Bruce Allen says. The culture is not damn good. The culture is a friggin' mess. Dan Schneider is an egomaniacal clown. Who? Well, here's the thing: they they literally have their PR program on the. On the media equivalent of an of an Indian burial ground, on a uh, Native yes. American burial, burial and ground. Dan Schneider like, literally bought the talk radio station so no one could badmouth the Redskins. He fires. He fired. He has fired hosts for badmouthing the team and badmouthing him. The guy. He's he's the worst. He's the absolute worst. He's the worst owner in the league. I mean, I mean, like there are guys like Jimmy Haslam is like is like is is Robert Kraft compared to compared to friggin' Dan Schneider. He's the he's he's awful. He's awful. But. In terms of so in terms of fantasy impact, I don't know. I think it's, I think really the overarching message is is too early to tell. I think it truly just depends on. I think I think it's going to be again just to, to stay consistent with the direction of the league. I think it's going to be entire. It's going to be an offensive minded class, and I think basically whoever nabs the top the perceived top offensive minds, their their stock's going to go through the roof. I think it's that simple. Like I think if, I think if say if Greg Roman goes to the friggin' Giants. Like I think you're going to see Sterling Shepard's stock's going to go up. Obviously, Barkley is, is going to remain in the first round, regardless of who's coaching. But I think Shepard's stock will go up. I think Eddie Ingram's stock will go up a little bit. I think Jones's stock will go up. And um, if, if, so, Lincoln, so, if Lincoln so, Riley ends up in Dallas, wait, wait, who knows? Wait, 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 when you say Jones, do you mean Julio or Daniel? Because I meant I was Daniel. Just, I meant Daniel. So, so I, w- I was just going to say though, um, the I feel like the the firing of Dan Quinn in Atlanta at this point uh, is, is well, going it's, to be it's inevitable. inevitable. Yeah, it, it's inevitable. Right. So the, the big question is, um, you know, obviously this this is wasn't so much the narrative this year, but I feel like a new coach is going to get want to get Julio Jones more attention in the red zone. But I think that I th- I think Possibly, a new coach might I think a new coach though might also want to consider not having Matt Ryan throw it fifty times a game. But, so perhaps getting more. Uh, so they, they when they had Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman in the backfield together, that's when the Atlanta Falcons were the most flourishable. They they they, they I, saw so they saw I, the I, best I, results. I, I I agree, but I, I I think I think that's something that they should go back that they, they should go back to. They should have more support for Matt Ryan. Um, he's still you know he's still a pretty accurate, still has a pretty good arm. But at the same time, when your offense is that one dimensional, when you know that Matt Ryan is just going to be throwing up to Hooper, to Julio Jones, and to uh. God, no, Muhammad Sanu's not even there anymore. Who the hell? Um, Calvin, Calvin Ridley. Ridley. 
Calvin yeah. Ridley, of course, who, who's, who's obviously has a pretty high ceiling right now. Russell Gage, the kid who's been filled, who's been the number three <clears> receiver <throat> since the new left, he's he's doing pretty well too. Now, now, see, Atlanta, I think, is a, a unique situation because I think Atlanta, regardless of who they hire, I think the guys are going to pretty much remain the same because the offense has not been the issue there. I mean, Devontae Freeman's stock's going to go down, I think, just because of what the point of where he's at in his career. But I think the receivers, I think Julio stock, Ridley stock, Ryan stock will all remain, and Hooper stock. Hooper stock's going to go up this year because of the year he's had. But I think the Ridley, Jones, Ryan, their stock's all going to remain the same regardless of who hire. Atlanta's a very unique situation. Like the other, the other teams you're talking about who have, like Carolina, I think stock could, could, could fluctuate a bit depending on who the coach is. The Giants, I think there's a huge potential for the shit to swing depending on who the coach is. Atlanta, I think it's just going to remain the same because the guys, they're proven commodities and that offense is not the problem there. All right. Well, so that that was our take on the coaching changes in the NFL coming up in 2019-2020. So moving on to everybody's favorite segment where me and Chris get to self-deprecate even more. Hits and whips. Hips, hits and whiffs. Indeed oh, we do. My, my, my lips are dry right now. <laughs> hits and whiffs. Sir. So I had pretty much no hits. I think we had our worst collective week today. Exactly. I, I mean, I, I think it's like start Carson Wentz. You know, he had a pretty good week. Um, that that but, he did. That he yeah. did. Unfortunate result for the Eagles, but he Wentz did have a good. Wentz put up good numbers. Yeah. So, though, so, so that was definitely you know one of my hits. But I, I made my hit sit Daniel Jones because that was just a disaster for everybody. Um, I, I had the Packers defense in fantasy, you know, which made the score semi-respectable. So that was great. Indeed. But. Yeah, but other than that, if you listen to me regarding Daniel Jones and you had him on your bench, good for you. Um, as, as far as whiffs, whoo, whoo, yeah, uh, yeah, God, yeah, I mean, so here's the I, I had a lot of just flat duds. You know, like I, I said, start Ryan Griffin. Um, he had about you know six or seven fantasy points. You're, you're, I mean, yeah, he, he didn't do that bad. All things. Yeah, he, like, he, he, he did he okay. Didn't for do, I wouldn't even consider, I wouldn't I, really consider that a whiff. I, I, consider I, I, the position he plays exactly. Um, I. I not gonna lie, I totally deleted the script from last week where we had like, all of my choices and stuff like that. Yeah, but I, I'm too busy swallowing my own misery to remember your picks. Unfortunately. Yeah, so, 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 so go ahead and tell people about your picks. And all right, so like Liam, you know what? I only had a couple hits, so I'm gonna give uh, my my hit for the week. I'm just gonna give love to a position that I uh, frequently pump up during the waiver wire segments, but never pick, never pump up during this segment. That would be starting Will Lutz. It was dinger fever down in, in NOLA on Thanksgiving. I was very thankful that Lutz was kicking the ball through the uprights all game long. Four field goals for Mr. Will Lutz. I think three of them were for 40-plus yards. Another double-digit fantasy boys performance for one of the best fantasy kickers and one of the best kickers in the league in general. So congratulations, Will Lutz. You were one of the two people, that him and Edelman, were really the only guys that delivered for me this week. Um, and I think and sitting the Jaguars defense. Sorry, that was a good move, too. So that was it. Every other move, with would be basically everything. I said, start Christian Kirk. Ah, ha, ha. He did nothing. I said, sit Jason Witten. Of course he scored on the opening drive. Um, I said, sit Keenan Allen. Yep, he scored too. I said, start um, I said, start uh, Zach Ertz. He, I didn't realize he was hurt. He got like 20 yards. It was it was terrible. Now, the guy that made the least sense is who I ended up going with. It was, it was, when I said, start Le'Veon Bell. He got held to less than 70 scrimmage yards against the friggin' Bengals. Like, are you kidding me, man? Like that, by you might as well have gotten a donut. Like that, they're giving away. It, it, they're they're one of the most charitable causes 
on the entire in the world is the Cincinnati Bengals defenses to running backs. And Bell, you couldn't get you couldn't find the end zone, man. You couldn't against them. You couldn't clear a hundred yards. Pitiful. Pitiful. Yep. So I'm I'm looking at my list right now. Again, just just a lot of that's a lot of lackluster duds. I told you guys to start Nick Chubb versus the Steelers. He only had about 40-something yards. I told you guys to sit Rashad Penny. We all know how that turned out. Him and Chris two, Carson two apparently scores. are just the stepbrothers of the and, NFL. And that was another thing we whiffed. I was sitting Chris Carson. He, Of course, he scored early, too. Yep. Um, I told you guys to start Emmanuel Sanders. What? The, the, I think like 20-something, 20, 20 or 30-something yards versus Baltimore. Yeah. I, I told you guys to sit Kenny Galladay. I didn't even <laughs> bother to look up what his stats were. Um, he had 100 – he caught all of his targets, and he had like 140 yards – 150 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Me, right? Yep. Yeah, no, I sat his ass in both leagues I had him in. Exactly. All right. So that does it for hits and whiffs because I might just put my head through a wall if I if if I think about it even more. Fair We're going to move on to stardom, situm, so we can just start the process all over again. Let's go. So hopefully it goes better off. this week. Hopefully it goes better this week. I don't, I don't, I don't think we can handle. I think we might have legit meltdowns if this if this goes this poorly. If this goes this poorly again this week. All right, so I'm going to tell you guys, this can't go that poorly. I'm going to tell you guys to start a quarterback versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary, and that's Jacoby Brissett. Uh, it, it did go uh, for Nick Foles last week. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, Tampa right now allowing the third most points to uh, quarterbacks. Uh, I'm just hoping that Jacoby, you know, like in, in the quest for a playoff push right now, the Colts are definitely still in it because the AFC South um, still a little – I, I, it's not convoluted right now. The, the Texans are going to be the clear winner, but the Titans definitely are making it's, a push. In yeah. The, in the, yeah, exactly. And especially with the Steelers being the team that they are right now, I think the, the Colts definitely have a legitimate, a legitimate shot at that, that six seed uh, going into the wild card. That division is very unsettled. Despite the Jaguars are finishing at last. That's about the only guarantee in that, in that, in that shit right now. Oh yeah, and I'm gonna tell you guys to sit Jared Goff for the uh, Jared Goff versus the Seahawks. The Seahawks right now, the, uh, their secondary is playing really well, allowing I believe the fifth least uh, points uh, to quarterbacks at the moment. Uh, and Jared Goff, you know, has been was serviceable at the beginning of the season, but he just sort of kind of fell off. Uh, I think people he killed the Cardinals last John week. Though. Offense. He killed oh, the Cardinals last week. Killed the Cardinals last week in their in their in their defense <laughs> that allows a million the, points to tight ends yes, every single week. Most points to quarterbacks. Most points to quarterbacks. So. Yep. So good, good, good for Jared Goff on that. But he screwed me a lot in fantasy. Uh, honestly, one of the big reasons why I finished five and eight almost across the freaking board. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so shout out to Jared right there, man. Yeah, I cut, I cut ties with his ass about a month ago in the one link I had him in. I was done. No, so, no more golf. So, Hey, speaking of, uh, I think we were talking about the ultimate eight and eight quarterback a little earlier in the show. We Tell were. us about your quarterback picks. Uh, okay. So my start of this week is Mr. Kirk Cousins. As Liam said, the king of 500 and the king of, uh, primetime, uh, the king of, of, of unfortunately, uh, primetime letdowns, Kirk Cousins. Um, what, no, what's his record on Monday Night Football again? Very bad. I don't remember, but not oh, good. Eight. Oh, and eight. There we go. Fantastic. No, another another doozy on Monday. Against the Seahawks. He actually didn't play that bad, all things considered. But um, anyway, so he, he you know who what he did not who he did not play poorly against the Detroit Lions earlier this season. Three hundred and thirty eight yards and four touchdowns in their first meeting, which with the Lions this season. You know who they're playing again this week? The, the Lions. Lions, and it's in Minneapolis. So I think Cousins, the, the Lions defense has only gotten worse since the middle of October when they played them. So I think Cousins is in line for another huge set. 
Um, my sit-em is America's sweetheart right now after after going in there and beating the Cowboys on Thursday uh, on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen obviously has been very productive from a fantasy standpoint. You know what you're going to get with him. I mean, his running gives him a high floor regardless of what he's doing through the air. And he had one of the best games of his career last week, so people are riding the high. The problem is the Baltimore Ravens and their suddenly incredibly uh, stout defense are coming to town. And I think that that's just not – and the Bills' offensive line is still kind of blah. Obviously, the weapons are kind of suspect, and Allen has not performed well against the top-tier competition, so I think he will struggle despite being uh, in front of the Buffalo faithful on Sunday. Ooh, betting against Josh Allen at home, that's definitely not worked out for a lot of people so far. No, no, um, almost like the Browns. This season, Bills Mafia, baby. So moving yep. on to running backs, uh, you know, I mean, obviously there's the, – the, it's it, just about – just like uh, death and taxes in life, it's pretty much guaranteed the Jaguars are going to p- place last in the AFC South, but you have a little bit more faith in the running back. I do. That would be Mr. Leonard Fournette. Obviously, they ran into that Tampa Bay buzzsaw last week. Uh, did not go so well for him. But they have this week. He, I mean, like he's got two things going in his favor this week. One, uh, Mr. Gardner Minshew is back under center. The mania is back, kids. So the offense Uncle has been. Rico, Uncle Rico is back from the mountains. He's back and he's ready to sling it. So it, it, it makes me nostalgic almost for like the beginning of this show when Minshew mania was like you know in full force. In full force, baby. But and it might it might be chapter two, Liam. It might start on <laughs> Sunday against the Chargers. But I think Min- Minshew has been obviously played way better than Foles did under center. I think that will open the offense up more. And unlike Tampa, the Chargers' run defense is leaky as all hell. So I think for net, I think for that's in a really good spot to uh, uh, produce at a a high RB one level this week. Uh, my sitem is Todd Gurley against the Seahawks. Seahawks' run defense is really really good, and Gurley had a it's the last the last time they played uh, and it was salvaged by two scores this week. I don't think, I don't, I don't, I mean, he could find the end zone again this week, but I think he will not find it twice. And I think that he will just be exposed to a mediocre game and, and he will not be able to uh, prop that up with a, with a touchdown or two. And his game will uh, uh, not be as close as the uh, previous uh, showdown between the Seahawks and the Rams. So I think that will, and that will uh, limit Gurley's uh, touches and thus his effectiveness. All right. So for, so for my running back pick, I'm going to tell you guys to start Melvin Gordon against Jacksonville. Jacksonville right now, uh, they're allowing the fifth most points uh, uh, to running backs, uh, including 12 total touchdowns. Uh, yeah, and their obviously defense pretty much packed it in. They it, packed it in. Exactly. It's been horrible last month. Exactly. So I'm saying that Melvin Gordon gets not one but two touchdowns in this game, so yeah. I think you should capitalize on that, despite the fact the, that Rivers is – Probably not going to be leading the Chargers to the playoffs this year. What? Another missed opportunity for Anthony Lynn. Poor guy. Poor guy. Great coach. Great. And I'll, I'll stand coach. by that statement. I, I agree. I think he's a good coach too. But 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 they've been. It's a combination of obviously the team is the the, the team is injuries again, and obviously just like and bad luck, and just very very bad football from Philip Rivers as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you guys to sit Lashawn McCoy uh, against the New huh? England Patriots. So. So Damian, so so Damian Williams is injured right now. Um, and shocking. And uh, yep. And uh, I believe there there was another injury um, earlier this week in practice to their other. Um, Daryl Williams got no, so Damian Williams didn't play last Sunday. Daryl Williams got hurt in the middle of the game, and then that caused Darwin Thompson to be forced into action. Exactly. So Darwin Thompson is some is, is somebody who's been uh, on the waiver wire transaction, um, you know, tr- transaction wire a lot uh, re- recently this week. Uh, Chris, what do you what do you what do you think about him? Just asking your opinion. I don't know. He he 
by the time he got forced to the game, he was in mop-up duty against the Raiders' garbage, garbage defense. The game was well in hand. Like they had the Raiders had like their fifth string linebackers out there. So yeah, he performed pretty well against them. But I don't he 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 was a big, big sleeper guy going into the year because he, he was a rookie, like six round pick at like Utah State or some shit. So people were all excited, like, oh, he's huge, he's really explosive, really powerful runner, but he did nothing in the with the touches he got earlier in the season. So I, I don't, I really don't know what to feel about him. I, I, I have to see how he fares in more meaningful game action, which he will. Uh, it seems to be in line to get this week against the Patriots. Exactly. But here's the thing about LaShawn McCoy, though. Um, I believe Stephon Gilmore and uh, McCordy as a safety are going to be more than a match uh, for, for Tyreek Hill. So therefore, I think with, with the aforementioned injuries to the running back position, Bill Belichick is going to kind of foresee LaShawn McCoy potentially being a, uh, being the focal point of, of this offense uh, for uh, Patrick Mahomes, especially as a receiving option. I think LaShawn McCoy is going to be that specific piece that Bill Belichick is going to look to take away from the Chiefs in this game. Uh, just trusting Stephon Gilmore and Devin McCourty the way he does to, uh, to take other number one receiver, Tyree Kill. So moving on to speaking of wide receivers, I'm going to tell you guys to start in that same game, Julian Edelman versus Kansas City. Right now, he's just he has been the one reliable receiver uh, for Tom Brady. Although Jacoby... J- Jacoby Myers still great, great wide receiver. Although the last two weeks, uh, you know the the more the or the less options I should say for Tom Brady, the more attention has been b- b- paid uh, j- to uh, Jacoby Myers. So we've seen a little bit uh, more drops than lately. However, yeah. still huge ceiling for the kid. I I really like him, but I think Julian Edelman, especially in PPR formats, is going to be the receiver you're going to want to go to in this one. Uh, in terms of my sit, um, what the hell? I th- this man is not or is I for some reason who'd you I, put Wayne Corbett this week? Who who'd you <laughs> put? Peerless Price, Eric Molds. I put, I put Ingram. I, I, oh, you mean Mark Ingram? Yeah, I put Mark. Oh, well, Ingram. he does not play wide receiver. Last time I checked, here's the thing. At least I caught the mistake before I said it. That, this that time. is true, and that's where you're like, "Huh, that looks funny." So, yeah. Uh, so you, are you picking? So you want to go with the Baltimore Ravens receiver? Is that who you're? Who you, are you trying to say? Were you trying to say Marquise Brown? Was that who you were going? With? No, no, hundred percent. Remember, like looking at Mark Ingram's name and just thinking, like you know, like oh, the <laughs> Buffalo defense. Right. Oh, the, the the Buffalo run, running defense is great, and I just for some reason I you know I wrote it into the <laughs> slot, and then I, I so I chose three running backs basically. There you go. <laughs> There you go. So, 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 so you're sitting no receivers this week. Liam says start every single receiver. Start. Liam, the receiver position is so, is in such good shape that he's saying start a running back. <laughs> here's here's the thing. Start Matthew Slater. There's literally yes, no difference. difference. Start Mark Ingram. Start Matthew Slater over Mark Ingram. There's yeah, my sit, advice. Yeah, sit Matthew Slater, guys. Sit Matthew Slater. I don't think he's going to contribute as a pass catcher this week. Ah, <laughs> uh, Gunner talk. Gunner talk. Uh, that, 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 this, this episode is shaping up to be an all-timer. I got to say right now. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. God, why did I put that? That's hilarious. Um, that, I mean, like, it's it, – but again, at least you caught it. Yeah, caught at, it. Le- at least I got it. But I, 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 no, here, here's the thing, though. I guess I, I do agree with it. Um, I would, you know, say be careful, be cautious of, uh, of playing Mark Ingram against the Buffalo defense. Um, you know. <laughs> there you go. Bonus running back analysis. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. All right, uh, I would, how, how we move on to your wide receiver. Uh, no, see, I, I can confirm. I have guys that actually play wide receiver in both spots. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I was just talking about Kirk Cousins a minute ago for uh, starting him. So you know, uh, this is gonna be crazy. But I'm gonna say start his number one receiver in Stephon Diggs. Um, 
is uh, once again out. This is a huge shock. He's uh, what now? His hamstring is. He was. He went from. He didn't practice at all again today. And now he's trending downwards again. So Diggs is going to be the number one option. And uh, and obviously, as I said earlier, the Lions secondary is terrible. And like the Cousins, uh, Diggs absolutely went off against the Lions earlier this year. Seven catches, 143 yards. I think if if Thielen does not if Thielen does not end up suiting up for the game, which again does he does not appear to be the case this week, I think Diggs will go off once again. Even with Kyle Rudolph emerging as a as a number two receiver, he's having, he's having a, a hell of a resurgence over the last few weeks. I think I think this will still be the the uh, Stephon big show uh in minneapolis on sunday against this wretched 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 detroit lions defense and my sit um uh, speaking of a guy that feasted on the detroit lions last week it would be alan robinson now this pains my heart now alan robinson has been uh in fuego of late i mean he uh three of the last four games he has at least 86 yards um, he scored two weeks in a row. He's been he's been producing at a WR two level the entire season, despite having Mitch F and Trubisky under center. But as I, as I said at the, about forty five minutes ago uh, when we started this shit, uh, I'm, I'm, the, Trubisky makes me really friggin' nervous. I because because people are starting to believe in him after his performance against the Lions and his performance against the Giants two weeks ago. So I think he's gonna go tomorrow night and absolutely throw a friggin' dud. And I think and the Cowboys have a tough secondary. I think even Allen Robinson will not be able to perform. Uh, so yeah, I, I just don't, I just don't, this is more of a, of, of a, uh, a superstition thing. I just think the bears are going to put up, uh, they're going to put up an absolute stinker at home against Dallas and Robinson is going to go down with the ship for once. Once you start to believe that's when it really all comes crashing down. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and again, it really, it, this really truly pains me because Alan Robinson has been the only person on the entire bears office that has been that has that has brought me joy consistently all season long like is, i love is, the man is he gonna break a thousand yards this season How, he's, he's he only at? 150 he's only 150 yards away so i think if he if he stays healthy it would be a, as long as he can stay healthy for the next four games it would be a shock if he didn't all right so he, I, but, but considering it's trubisky though four games i mean definitely I, I think he'll definitely make it over over a thousand yards over 1100 might might not be that might, that, that might be proved to be too much, but but he does. Ha- they do have. They got the they got the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Vikings the last three weeks. Which obviously they're much better teams than the Bears, but their secondaries are all kind of crap. So I think Robinson can expose those guys. All right, and moving on to tight ends, Chris, your your main man is in your starting position. Right I now. know. Again, you know. Again, you know. I failed last week with Zach Ertz, so let's keep going with big names and let's let's see how they find new creative ways to fail me. So I was starting Darren Waller this week. Now, Waller has remained the top target with the Raiders, especially with Hunter Renfro being out right now. Tyra Williams. Is Tyra Williams healthy or not? I know Hunter Renfro's hurt right now. Is Tyra Williams hurt? He was on the injury report. I'm not sure if he's okay. actually playing. But or regardless, not. Waller has remained the top option with the Raiders, but most, I should say the most consistent receiving option with the Raiders all season long. And they're going against the Titans this week, who have a very tough defense, but the one area where they struggle is covering tight ends. Jack Doyle had a good had a great game against them. He had been pretty quiet the rest of the year. He had he had he had over 70 yards of touchdown last week. I think Waller should should be able to put up at least similar numbers in, in a game that the Raiders will likely uh, get their ass kicked in uh, for the third consecutive week. And my sit him and a, a guy again, Mark Andrews has been about as good as they come for tight ends. But and but I think this is going to be a running focused game for Baltimore. The Bills have an incredible secondary. Uh, they're vulnerable against the run. So I think the Ravens are going to make their hay on the ground this week, which will leave Mark Andrews uh, out of the end zone, which usually, uh, if he does not get in the end zone, he usually does not put up great numbers. So I think Andrews will uh, 
be a very blah tight end pick this week because of the matchup with that stout Bill secondary. All right. And for, uh, and for my starting tight end, this guy has been toyed with by many people uh, so far this fantasy season. And he almost always lets them down. Vance McDonald for the Pittsburgh that he has Steelers. Been. He's been really bad. Yeah, exactly. However, Listen to these statistics by the Arizona Cardinals. So far, the tight ends, over 91 targets. They've, they've allowed 70 receptions, 807 yards, and 12 touchdowns, uh, 73.4 yards per game. So uh, for a total of 222.7 points. So that's 20.2 points per game. <laughs> that is so insane. Yeah. Oh, my God. I so, knew they were bad. But like hearing those numbers is just jaw dropping. And I knew well, I, like I thought I had an, like that. I thought I had an idea of how bad they were. That is significantly worse than I, I could even conceive. Fulltimefantasy.com, baby. It's a great website. <laughs> oh god, but, but I'm just hearing, but like, but because I've had, I think like a lot, but like I've had a bunch of tight ends, and I haven't like I haven't been streaming. I've just had, I've just happened to have tight a lot of tight ends here that have played the Cardinals, and they've just blown up every friggin' time. So I'm just like, so I was like, oh, like it's always like, oh, so and so, and I know from I do a, I do a column on my blog every week where I go through the, like the top, the best fantasy plays, the worst fantasy plays, and just about every week, it's like I shouldn't say just about every like every at least every two or three weeks. It's somebody up against the Cardinals, and I'm just like, well, wow, it, these guys really can't play. Exactly, and honestly, the with the way the tight end position has been so far in fantasy this year, statistically speaking, you probably would have been better off just streaming every single <laughs> tight end that played Cardinals. against the Cardinals this year, even no. the, even the number twos. So yeah. I'm talking the Favros of of, of the yeah. NFL, the I'm Foster Moros, the Foster Moros, <laughs> Foster Moros, <Yeah. laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> So, so, so you think McDonald, even as bad as he's been, like, like this is gonna be the week where he finally brings joy to the fantasy community. This is gonna be the one and only week where he finally brings the, fa- where he finally brings joy to fantasy. O- the man who got one yard against the Bengals is gonna is gonna <laughs> is gonna light up the Cardinals. Bring it on! I right. hope this happens. Um, I, me this, too. This will be the me ultimate too. dart throw. This this will be the this will ultimate. not be your this will not be your finest work. I don't think, but it, it will be it will be a notable accomplishment nonetheless. No. No, that 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 belongs to my first time telling you guys to to, to start Gaiseki. No, Gaiseki will Gaiseki will forever be your will be your top work. Yeah. However, my sit on this week is Gaiseki. No. Yeah. Unfortunately, he uh he he he's up on the injury report right now. It's questionable whether whether or not he'll even play. Although there's reports saying that he's you know he, he he's looking to fight through it and be able to get out into the field. So in that case, I don't think Flores is going to want to risk his ultimate health. So don't expect him to be out there for more than like, you know, a three or four series. So, yeah. Uh, moving on to flex options. Minnesota, it turns out, has been allowing. Hold on a second. I'm going to I'm going to consult my magic uh, computer device. Minnesota has been allowing. In terms of, oh, sorry, to wide receivers. Yes. The, the fourth, exactly. the fourth most pass yards in in the league. Or, sorry, the the, the They've fourth been most really. Their secondary has been like sneaky, yeah. really bad. So he, he, here's where I'm going to lay it out all all out once again. 2,029 yards, 17 touchdowns, um, 172.5 yards per game, 473.9 total points, 39.5 points per game. Good lord. Yeah, it, that it is, does sound a whole lot worse when you actually read out the statistics like but, that. But receivers, but receivers, receivers, not quite as bad as tight end. Think about it. There's usually only, only one tight end contributing every week. That's why those Arizona stats were so daunting. But at yeah, least because receivers, they're allowing receivers, two or three tight ends to contribute. Every yeah, exactly. Week. Receiver, receivers. <laughs> fair enough. 
Fair enough. The receivers, like those are a handful of guys. Regardless, those numbers are still very bad. I know I'm a Minnesota secondary, but I just know from like watching a few Vikings games, they have been really, 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 really bad this year. Xavier yeah. Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes is the most overrated corner in the NFL. So MJJ, baby, Marvin Jones Jr., the touchdown machine of the of the Detroit Lions. I'm saying start him this week. Even with D- potentially yeah. David David Blau yeah. under David center. Yeah. But Dr- Driscoll might play though, because Dr- Driscoll dressed for the game last week on Thanksgiving. So he, yeah, but he, he, that, that was kind of like when Matt McGloin dressed as to be a backup to Connor Cook in the playoffs off of the Raiders versus the Texans. They would literally have rather put, you know, I, uh, put I, uh, you know, uh, Jack Del Rio out there under center. I, I don't think it's quite the same. I don't think it's quite the same because Driscoll was the starter three days earlier. It was just more like his hamstring was screwed up and they couldn't play him. But they, but he was he basically he didn't want him to play because he wasn't healthy enough. But if they needed him to play, he could he could tough it out. Uh, now McGloin, I think, was literally just like a warm body situation. I don't think that was the case with Driscoll. I think McGloin was. I mean, that, I mean, they, you already knew they were losing the damn game. They put Connor F and Cook out there under center. Oh my God, oh, was yeah. that? Well, thank you for reminding me of that. I will not. I will stop short of so, there because we're already running really. We're we're running real long. But that Connor Cook oh game my was, God, one, we are. was one of the ugliest friggin' football games I've ever seen in my entire no. life. And Connor Cook stinks, and he's gonna be. So here's the thing. I I I do have to talk about this. So I was actually at the bar in college, um, like watching this game, and there was two Raiders fans at the bar with me, and so like this was like the first time the Raiders were in the playoffs in like a while. They went to the Super Bowl in 02. It was they they yeah. sta- they snapped like a 15 year drought. Exactly. And so at some point in the third quarter, there was one drive where he was dinking and dunking in a no huddle um, you know, like like situation. And he was looking like pretty good. And like these Raiders fans, you would have thought they were on the one yard line to win the game. They were like, Oh, this is it. This is where the comeback's starting. And he throws an interception in the red zone. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, oh, it was just perfect. Just- Cook is one of the worst quarterback prospects ever watched tape on. Like his tape, I was like, this guy's going to the NFL. Like I couldn't believe it. He's going to the XFL. And now, now. and clearly now that was one of the few times I was actually right because the guy washed out of the league in about three years. Yep. Joke, joke of a player. And I'm for and for my sit him in the flex option. I'm going to tell you guys to sit Marlon Mack versus the Tampa Bay front seven. I think uh, that front seven is going to force Jacoby Brissett to throw a lot, which is why I said to start him because I think Jacoby is going to rack up the receiving yards or the passing yards at least against that awful Tampa Bay secondary. I think Marlon Mack is going to become not a non-factor but a secondary factor in this game. It's fair enough, particularly coming off the injury. I can I can understand that assessment. Um, so my, my flex, my start is Devontae Parker. Don't look now, but a star may be being born after all these years in South Florida. Um, Devontae Parker. He was a first-round pick, right? He was a first-round pick, and he had had a bus label on him for the first handful of years of his career. But don't look now. Devontae Parker. Um, now, see, you might be thinking, where did this guy come from? He got when – he, when he put up 159 yards and two touchdowns last week against the Eagles. Like, huh? But – Devontae Parker has sneaky been putting together an excellent season. Um, he is among the league leaders in receiving yards. He actually, in terms of the AFC since week six, he is literally number one in receiving yards in the entire really? AFC, in the entire American football conference. Liam, this was news to me too, and I was doing my notes earlier. <laughs> I was this was I was all I was very, very surprised to learn this. So Devontae Parker, so this week, so so um the the new stud in South Florida 
You know what he gets rewarded this week? He gets to play against the New York Jets, who have allowed the ninth most fantasy points to receivers in standard leagues. Um, he will not draw Brian Poole, who is the Jets' best corner, been one of the better corners in the league this year. So he'll draw whoever the hell is playing outside corner. Jamal Adams is not playing. So I think, and it's a Fitz Magic revenge game. So even though the game is Fitz in New Magic revenge even game, though the game is in when Jersey, is it not a Fitz Magic revenge game. He um, for everybody in the league. Last week against the Eagles was not a Fitz Magic revenge game. So. <laughs> Don't poke uh, goals. And he'll, the rest of the games, the rest of the way. He's played for his 25% of the league. He has. And I know that they're playing the Patriots week 17, and that will not be a that will not be a revenge game either. But every other game on the slate, revenge game. Um, <laughs> but, yes, Parker, I really like Parker this week. I think I think he'll continue to give you very, very good production. And, honestly, he might even be a bubble flex. He might be a WR2 play at this point. Who knows? And my, speaking of speaking of wide receiver twos, your situm. My situm is Wolf Fuller. Uh, Wolf Fuller, obviously, um, unless you count that uh, spectacular uh, no catch he had in the in the Patriots game last Sunday, he was completely invisible. He had about he had a single digit yardage. He's still coming back from the he's still coming back from his forty fifth hamstring pull. And the Texans have the uh, misfortune of playing the uh, Denver Broncos, who obviously have an excellent secondary. So I think Fuller is just way too shaky to trust, particularly in a key playoff matchup i just i just i don't i'm, I'm not touching them all right and the guys with the legs chris uh, yes. tell me the guys with the legs so again you want to talk about unsung unsung heroes now liam knows because this guy i actually just found out when i again i was doing research that he hit liam has him in the league that we're in together um kicker a guy who's been sneaky good over the past month and a half austin siebert from the cleveland browns I mean, my man is is. I mean, even me as a kicker aficionado who 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 loves the guys with the legs more than just about anybody. Um, I wasn't aware how well Sieber is doing. He's put up several double digit games, and he's been averaging about nine points a week over the last uh, month, which is which is excellent. And know, play- it, it's almost like Baker Mayfield is blowing it in the red zone. Exactly, it's almost like that offense is pooping out right right field goal range. And I think they'll be. Uh, and they're, they're obviously he had double digit points last week against it, it, against the Steelers. So I think he'll keep it rolling. Again, the Steelers obviously tough defense. So I think uh, they're playing the garbage, garbage-ass Bengals this week. So I think Sieber, I think Sieber will have a lot of opportunities, whether they be extra points or field goals. I think he'll clear double-digit points uh, yet again this week. And my sit is Brett Maher. Now, you saw Brett Maher struggling. Brett Maher. In- Maher. Now, Maher. Now, Maher obviously like set a, uh, set a record for a field goal uh, in terms of distance earlier this season, or tied the record, I should say. Uh, with that between Matt Prater and Jason Elam were one of those records, one of the records for longest field goals he, he tied. He had a 60-plus yarder. But Maher has generally been very bad this season. I mean, he was he was whiffing kicks in, in Jerry World last week, which is not good when the friggin' roof is closed. So Maher has to travel up to Chicago. So this is the, and this is not a reflection of the Bears, like saying, like, oh, tough defense. He's not gonna they're not gonna score any points. No, I just don't think Maher can really make any kicks at Soldier Field. I think it's that simple. I think he's just going to go like Chicago. Obviously, not not an easy place to kick. You got the friggin' wind; it's cold. I don't think Ma- I mean, Maher can't uh, kick in climate controlled uh, AT and T stadium. So I don't think he's going to. I don't think that show is going to travel too well to a, a place that's notorious for wind and shitty field conditions. So it turns out we literally had the exact same picks, and like this was not like copying or purposeful on anything. We have the exact same picks for both Stardom and Sidum um, under kickers. Well, there yeah. you go. Start Austin Siebert, sit Brett Maher uh, for the exact same reasons that Chris um, Look at that. mentioned. I, I I don't think I can put him in, put it any better than go. that. I'm going to give you a Jason Garrett clap on Look that. Look at that. There you go. Clap, Party, King. guys. 
We yep. only lost by like three points today. There you go. Yeah, Dak, we're down by 20 in the fourth, but nice drive, pal. Nice punt. <laughs> we didn't do it. That was a great punt, bud. Great punt. Great three out, guys. <laughs> Cooper Rush, start warming up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Rush. Underrated. All right, we're getting no. on the bus. We're leaving. We're leaving. We're we're leaving. We're, we just lost. We made it. Tell me, we lost to another another team with a winning record. Yeah, guys. The, the Bills you're leaving without me. The Bills cut us at home on Thanksgiving. Yay. Um. Uh. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad. But but you know you know that's a sign of Liam. That's chemistry, yeah. baby. That's knowing your co-host. Look at that. Exactly. We are syncing up. Sink it up. up late in the season. It's week 14, playoff time, and we're on this exact same page with kickers. Speaking, I mean, of, who, speaking of who's syncing up at the exact right time uh, heading towards the playoffs, the Packers defense, who yeah. I'm telling you guys to start against the Redskins because, well, the Redskins are the most bland. I, uh, they, they have no identity. But they've won two games in a row, Liam. They're getting hot. They're getting are you Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins has won two consecutive games. No, no selfie last week, unfortunately. Ah, I, I feel like that that needs to be his knives out, man. <laughs> is taking selfies at yes. like the most unprofessional at like times, like yeah. possible. Yeah. But it can only be when they're going out there for the victory formation. It can't be at any other time. It's like when they're going to knee it out. Like where's Dwayne? Oh, oh, silly Dwayne, he's taking selfies again. It's going to be like, where's Waldo? You know, the camera's going to be like, where's Dwayne? He's going to be up in the 300 section just taking a selfie. How do we get up there? It would be tremendous. Say the, say the impossible happened and the Redskins were in the Super Bowl and there was a prop bet of if if Dwayne Haskins can't be found for the, for the victory formation because he's taking a selfie, that would have to be a prop bet. It would have to be. Some some guy puts his mortgage on it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you have to. You have to. But what, pro, I would say prop bet is probably the worst thing. I mean, I mean, gambling. I'm putting your mortgage on anything. Gambling, bad idea. But a prop bet, especially bad, because it's not actually like because that's usually is things that don't involve football. It's like I know. Like, what was the prop bet on a black cat walking out onto the field? Uh, no, see, I don't think that was I'm on the. Sure, uh, I'm I don't I'm think sure that was on the Charlie Kelly is the only person who yes. won that bet. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. All right. So, and I'm going to tell you guys to sit the Eagles defense versus the Giants. I'm telling you right now. Don't do Yes. Thank you, Liam. Thank you so fucking much because I, <laughs> people keep taking the cheese on these clouds. Like this is the exact, like this is a prime example of why great matchups cannot always be trusted. Sometimes bad defenses are just crappy and we'll blow it under any circumstance. The Eagles proved that last week against the friggin' Dalton. They were not prepared to play the South Florida Heat, and they got gassed all over the field by Fitzmagic. And, and Carson Carson went through three touchdowns, and I'm pretty sure had a decent amount of rushing yards. Still blew the game, and Eli's coming back. He's had a he's yeah. had a decent <laughs> amount of time to think about what he's done to appreciate what he's have. Yep. You know, he he stayed healthy. He doesn't have the bumps and bruises after a whole season. I think Eli's gonna have his one. <laughs> Great game of the season. It's gonna, he's, he's gonna, gonna, gonna this, he's gonna he's ride gonna, off into the sunset. Oh yeah, he's gonna pretend this is a Super Bowl. He's gonna go out there and be like, he's gonna pretend he's seeing Bill Belichick on the other sideline, and he's just gonna bump out. The juices are gonna get flowing. The oh the oh seven and oh eleven seasons are gonna, are gonna come back to him, and he's gonna go crazy out there. Plus, and and he's gonna and he's gonna make and he's gonna Daniel Jones is gonna relinquish his job to him. It's gonna be a beautiful story. 
Yeah, I'd rather not think about those the 07 and 11 seasons uh, if you don't mind me. I'd rather you tell me about your, it's your start and sit them for the <laughs> defenses. <laughs> uh, my, my startup would be the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers against the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals are starting to implode. Uh, as evidenced by uh, performances like they had last week, as when the Rams absolutely manhandled them, and the Steelers obviously have been a, a, a hotbed for sacks and turnovers, all takeaways all season. And I think the way Arizona is playing right now, they they allowed a bunch of sacks and takeaways last week against the Rams. I think that'll be more of the same against a Steelers defense that, that's been playing, but one of the better. I say outside of if the Niners and the Patriots hadn't been taking all the uh, the shine, I think I think that you'd be hearing a lot more. But I think the Steelers have been a top five deep, top three defense. I think they've been the third best defense in the league behind the uh, Patriots and the Niners all season long and i think that will their uh, excellence will be on display again against that lowly arizona cardinals offense and my sitem my sitem is another take the cheese pick now see liam took the eagles i took mine it would be the uh, the kansas city chiefs because yes the Chiefs have put together two two impressive performances in a row against the Philip Rivers led Chargers, who is a walking turnover, and the Raiders, who are slowly or who are rapidly falling apart. Now, yes, are the Patriots playing not so great football offensively right now? You bet your ass they are. Obviously, if you watch that game in Houston on Sunday. I don't care what side of the football. Like that was not that was ugly. That was ugly. You can point fingers as to who the cause is. Was it Tom Brady, McDaniel's, the young receivers, whoever. Regardless, the product, the product, they're not be, they're not productive. This is not the New England Patriots offense of old. They're not playing very good football. However, I don't care. They're still not turning the damn ball over a lot. And the Chiefs defense sucks. They stink. And you you do not let what they do the last two weeks do not use this as a spray like oh they, like oh they're starting to turn things around Spagnolo's finally getting them and don't use Spagnolo's aforementioned success with the New York Giants against the Patriots in the Super Bowl as some kind of like weird guideline why Spagnolo's going to go out there and they're going to go and they're going to go to kill him at Gillette this Sunday no the Chiefs team is, they they don't rush the pass they don't rush the passer consistently they're soft as shit up front their secondary blows and even though and also the Patriots are going to be playing mad. After for getting embarrassed by friggin' Bill O'Brien, the guy who who we thought could never beat Bill Belichick in a game. Either they're gonna come out angry, and either they're gonna, they're gonna win. And even if they don't win, which I, I expect them to win the game, but even if they don't win, I don't think their offense is gonna put up a bad enough performance to make the Chiefs' defense look good. Chris, yes, take take a shot in the dark. Who? What team allows the most points to running backs? Right, the right Kansas now. City Chiefs. All right. So he, he, here's here's the numbers, people. 1,423 yards total, eight touchdowns. Um, so in, in terms of receiving to uh, to uh, to uh, running backs, 104 targets, 73 receptions, 785 yards, five touchdowns. Yeah, if there's going to be a game where the New England Patriots rushing attack gets back on track, it's going to be it's going to be against the Chiefs. I mean, like I got, I got Sony, baby. Watching the uh, that against the Colts about a, m- a month and a half ago on Sunday Night Football was hilarious because Marlon Mack just ran through them the entire game, and it basically the Colts kept handing him on the left side of the line with Quentin Nelson, and they were just plowing for it for five, six yards on every touch. It was effortless. Mack was because Matt Mack runs hard. Now the Patriots He's do not a downhill have a, runner, north the, south. The, yeah, exactly, and just old school, ugly. He reminds Mac remind, and he has like any very patient runner too. He he reminds me in a, in a lot of ways like Le'Veon Bell at the start of his career. Not obviously not the pass catcher, but it's just in terms of the way that he runs the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Patriots do not have a runner as that's a, that is a battering ram like Mac. But it doesn't matter because the Chiefs, the Chiefs run; they can't stop anybody. So it doesn't matter if you. It, they especially struggle against hard runners. But I, I think if Sony Michelle and look, James White showed some. I mean, the one, uh, the one positive takeaway you could have from that game offensively is that James White 
looked damn good and got involved. James White always looks great. He's but been, he looked good, but he looked good as a runner, which is uncharacteristic for him. No, and, it, it, it's honestly not though. I I feel like there's yeah. always been this perception that James White is a one dimensional pass catcher, but I year in and year out when he gets uh, um you know when he gets opportunities between the tackles. He's pretty often gaining positive yardage and gaining at least three or four but, yards. But I, I, I don't think he's like I don't think he's like. Uh, but as, as I, I think that was above his his what's been par for him. I don't think he's a horrible. I agree. I think I think he gets too much shit for his ability. I don't think he's an amazing between the tackles runner. But I think he's a he's a competent down runner between the tackles. But I think any way you slice it, I think that performance last Sunday was better than what he usually puts out between the tackles. Would you would you, would you agree with that? You got I would definitely okay. agree. So, but Definitely. but I think I think there's an opportunity whether it's Sony Michelle, friggin' James White, friggin' Corey Dillon, whoever they put back there against the Chiefs. <laughs> it's 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 all like over. Fifty year old Corey Dillon. Uh, I think I think, I think you I think you're gonna see a much stronger New England Patriots rushing attack. And I think if you are, I feel free to plug as un, as untrustworthy as Sony Michelle has been and James White have been this year from a fantasy perspective. I think plug them into your goddamn lineup against this 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 poop Chiefs defense. This is this is a, a, again I have, an illusion. I have no choice but to an so illusion. I will an illusion. Will do. do not trust the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Please don't play them. Please don't play them. All right, so that is the end of the show, yes. Chris. Any final thoughts? We're hour. Uh, well, you know, at this point, really, a couple another, another like sixty seconds is fine. So, um, because because of we went long last week, I did not. Pl- I'm going to do a little bit of self promotion here for our for myself and our wonderful producer Corey. Um, so, yeah. so a couple weeks back I went, uh, Corey and his wife have a, have a, uh, Jessica have a podcast called pop culture crush. It's basically a top five show where they go over a variety of pop culture, uh, subjects. I know they, they did one on like Scarlett Johansson movies. They did one on like, uh, I know they just did one on like the top five new uh, shows that premiered on network television this year. Uh, they were, and you did Jason. I did Statham. one on the, yes, I did one on my, on the works of our finest, uh, one of our finest action stars, Jason Statham of course. And you bet your ass. Uh, it was the longest episode they've ever had. And I really appreciate them. Having, it was a lot, I had a lot of fun. I really appreciate them having me on. I will be on. on I so for some reason they've invited me back at, 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 at in the new year. I'm going to go on again to do an undisclosed topic. So, but check that out. Check out the rest of the episodes. I mean, I've only heard I only heard a couple in preparation uh, for the show. I have not. I, I have not. I've, it's also very quick. Three times a week, each episode is about is usually when my stupid asses, my stupid rambling asses, are on there. I went to twenty five minutes because I can't shut the fuck up. But most of the episodes are Jessica, who usually hosts it by herself, does a very good job um, of keeping it tight. Does like twelve fourteen minutes. Um, and, and they're, they're very, it's very entertaining. It's very fun show. If you, if you want to just all, all something, something light and, and breezy and entertaining to listen to for, and, and like, and you like lists. Like I know I love pop culture lists. They're one of my favorite things. I mean, I can tell you my greatest joy as a blogger is doing my year end list. I'm not kidding. I live for, I basically wait for the entire freaking year for it. And I get your, and I get decade end shit this, this it, it's, it's truly, this, this is a, this, it's a beautiful time, but anyways, check out that podcast. If you want to listen to me talk about Jason Statham, if you don't want to listen to me Jason talk about Jason Statham, uh, just listen to the damn podcast anyways because it's good. And yeah, pop culture crush. Thank you, Corey and Jessica, for having us on, for having me on. Liam, I'm sure you'll be on it at some point. Um, whenever the whenever the Star Wars episode comes out, I'm sure around the rise of Skywalker, I'm ready. You'll you'll be there. You'll be there. Uh, are, you, are you gonna oh. try to beat my record for longest episode? <laughs> probably not, but okay. they, they probably won't be Fair. an hour and 33 minutes, will they? No, I can confirm that. Even even I was able to keep it well under that uh, mark. So yep, I'm talking about my love of crank. The thing is, though, when when Riverboat Ron has been fired, that necessitates a longer than normal show. Exactly, exactly. And 
This will be the longest episode. I guarantee you that right now. Guarantee that. Unless like we both die on camera at some uh, point. Yes, that's true. And no one and no one stops the recording. But then also, <laughs> yeah. that would also never be released because Corey would just be like, "Where's the episode?" Like, oh wait, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I just like to say, <laughs> just nothing else. Thank you, folks, for listening to this episode of Earful of Fantasy. Remember, you can catch us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on Facebook every Thursday morning via your favorite podcast provider. Speaking of podcast providers, make sure you use it to subscribe to Earful of Fantasy and whatever that provider may be, even the orange one, as the show is no longer listed in Earful of Dirt's normal feed. Hey, while you're at it, make sure to give us a like on Facebook where you can have the most direct interaction with me and Chris or on Twitter at EO Fantasy. Thank you, folks, and may the fantasy gods be kind to you unless, of course, you're playing one of us. Bye. Au revoir. You've been listening to Earful of Fantasy on the Earful of Sports Media Network. Be sure to tune in next week. We're live each Wednesday night on Facebook and available every Thursday morning from your favorite podcast service. Support the show for free stuff and an on-air shout-out at patreon.com slash earful. And be sure to hit us up throughout the week on Twitter at EOFantasy. Until next time. Check those trades and watch them stats. <laughs>